Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the program today. So we are about uh, three or four weeks out from our Reformation Boise Conference. It is an, our annual conference that we put on, not, not just as a single church, but as multiple churches. Multiple churches are sponsoring this. We desire um, for a, a general unity of, of churches within the, the Treasure Valley, but also our desire is to pass more of that rich Reformed theology that um, is a part of the foundation of the church. So this year, September 17th and 18th, we have uh, our theme is Be Thou My Vision. It's on the topic of worship. Go to ReformationBoise.com. You can find all the details there. If you register, you'll get a free gift. So in order to prime you for this conference, we're going to talk about worship today. Yesterday, we talked about Jesus's statements in John 4, and today we want to talk a little bit about, about the structure of worship. Every church that you would go to has a particular structure to it, and um, perhaps many of us uh, don't give a lot of thought to what that structure is. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians fourteen forty. He says, all things should be done decently and in order. And if you know the context of 1 Corinthians 14, he's very specifically talking about the public worship of God. So um, can, you, can you guys flesh that out a little bit? Why, why is that an important statement in Paul's writings? Well, overall in this passage, uh, you know, it's, it's following on a number of instructions that Paul is giving to the church. You know, you go back further in, that, in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians, He's talking about a certain amount of misbehavior that takes place at uh, the uh, Lord's Supper. He's talking about gifts given to the church uh, to build up and edify the church. You know, the gifts that the spiritual gifts that he's given uh, to individuals are meant to edify the church. And so when he's coming to this, you know, it's coming on the heels of uh, what he's talking about. Uh, people have come to the, the church. And they're speaking, and uh, people don't understand what they're saying. However you interpret this as a matter of tongues or not, whatever was being said was not uh, in a language that was understood by all. Mm-hmm. And so there was, a, there was a, you know, a lack of unity, a lack of ability to have people enhanced and built up by this worship. And mm-hmm. so uh, there's a, you know, it would be like, uh, you know, you know, you can you can imagine going to uh, you know an unsupervised nursery with you know twenty kids uh, screaming and all wanting to hold the same toy. Uh, you know, there's you know you can tolerate that in a nursery, but you don't tolerate that in church. <laughs> you know, there's a there's a certain order. There has to be some unity to what takes place in order that people are built up and and edified. Just uh, to take a. a a slight step backwards. Maybe some of the most encouraging books of the New Testament to me are the books of First and Second Corinthians, mm-hmm. and let me just explain why. Um, 
here you have this church in Corinth planted by the Apostle Paul, where the Apostle Paul spent extensive time. And the church is just so full of problems. And you're saying, uh, Pastor Russ, that, that is the most disturbing thing that you've said, if that's encouraging to you. But it is encouraging to me because so often in modern evangelicalism, we have this mindset that we're going to find this perfect church that doesn't have any issues, that there are no concerns, that everything is done perfectly, that, that it is heaven on earth. And I, I think the, the church at Corinth reminds us that the church is a, a gathering of sinners yeah. that each bring their own issues and problems and struggles. And the church oftentimes is going to get more right or wrong than right. And I know that doesn't sound like a huge um, well, you know, marketing the church, tool the, to get the, people well, into the, the church. church. The church reflects us uh, on a um, corporate level what we are as in, yeah, individuals. Sure. We go. We we recognize ourselves to be sinners. We recognize. You know. I mean. I don't care how good your parenting is. Most of us would not uh, suggest that we could write a parenting book. And uh, and we we are in a place where um, there's a certain. Corinth, uh, there's a normaling, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they, they were a normal group of people with normal problems, uh, some, of them, some of them very significant, um, but their big problem was reflecting the unity that Jesus prayed for, that he lived and died for and rose again to accomplish. And so while we have this example of behavior, we are not to stay there. This is mm-hmm. a... This is a Everything that's given in, in Corinthians is to instruct us to live according to who we are. We are not only called saints in, in 1 Corinthians, but we're called to be saints. We're called mm-hmm. to holiness and life and worship. And I hope this isn't um, stating this too strongly, but I think the root problem in Corinth was a self-centeredness. Um, I, I think you see that prior to um, this chapter, but even prior to our, our text for, that we're looking at, the verse, um, 1440, mm-hmm. um, in 1426 it says, What then, brothers, when you come together, each, ha- each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Mm-hmm. Well, what's Paul saying? Well, you've come with all of your individual things, but it, but he's you. also saying he's also saying you, these are the elements of worship. Yeah, yeah. You know, how you're putting them together is not uh, is is quite selfish. Mm-hmm. But these are you know these are the elements that you would find in worship the the uh, a hymn and, and other and revelation and other things that you've mentioned here. These are the things that are elements of worship. And he's saying you know these things need to be put together in a decent and orderly way and 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 this and not in a way that fit your own agenda as mm-hmm. you came. Yeah. Well, you know what's yeah. interesting is that verse Paul is he's already laid all the foundation for what kind of what these things are and he is saying that these are all spirit rock gifts. Mm-hmm. So he's saying even spirit rock gifts have to come under the control of this one principle namely edification. And so we were talking a little bit about spontaneity off the air and i think in in i think it's a a fair thing to say that in modern evangelicalism 
spontaneity is considered like the highest virtue of worship. Paul has a different view here. Mm-hmm. Paul's mm-hmm. saying, no, 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 the highest view in, in public worship is not spontaneity because each of your gifts need to come under the control of this one principle, namely edification, making sure everybody that's being built up. And, yeah. and you, as, you and I as individuals don't get to define that. And I think that's, that's the difficulty in the church that it's an easy tendency to come to church and say, what's in it for me? Mm-hmm. I'm coming for my own benefit. Mm-hmm. And I think if you read the New Testament, especially 1 Corinthians faithfully, what you'll realize is, oh, that's not the point. Mm-hmm. We, we don't come for ourselves. Now, please hear me correctly. We each do benefit from coming to worship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not our motive. I want to use an example that you had brought up, or one of you guys had brought up maybe a year ago, uh, about singing. So you, you come to church on Sunday morning, and perhaps a song is, is being sung that is not your favorite, and so you choose to fold your, your arms over your chest, and, well, that, that's not meeting my needs, so I'm just not going to sing. How selfish. You're, you're singing not, not only for the glory of God, but, but setting that aside for a moment, you're singing for the good of your neighbor right next to you in your pew. How do you even know what they're going through? Maybe they're going through cancer or suffering, and they need to hear the songs of the saints to lift them up. I mean, we, we have such an individualistic mindset when we come to worship on Sunday mornings as if it's all about me. You know, the opposite of this matter of doing things decently and in order, and I, th- I think, you know, sometimes that's reformed, we, that tends to become the favorite verse about worship, but we're told that God is not the author of confusion. Uh, you know, he's not, the, he's not the author of this, of instability and disturbance and tumult and, and everybody doing what's right in their own eyes. And this idea of doing things decently, it comes from the root of that word is having good form. And the root of the word for order is for things that are arranged in rank. You know, there's, certain, there's an arrangement of things. So uh, when, we, when we talk about the elements of worship, we also recognize there are certain circumstances of worship too. You know, there's nothing prescribed about how many times we sing a verse of a song or, or how many songs we sing or, uh, you know, how the, you know, whether we, whether an offering is taken up in the middle of a service or the end of the service or that. And, and right now we're only talking about what takes place on a Sunday morning. But, um, you know, worship is beyond a Sunday morning too. You know, you know, we, you know, this is why, you know, it's neither on this mountain or that mountain. There's no geographic place that worship has to take place in. Mm-hmm. We do that in our homes. Mm-hmm. We do that every day. This passage, though, um, particularly talks about what's taking place in the, in the church. So how is it possible to misapply this verse? You know, so the verse is, all things should be done decently and in order. How can we wrongly apply that verse? I, I think sometimes that the Pharisees of, of the scriptures um, misapplied this. To tie back into what we said yesterday, if you didn't hear it, we were talking about John 4, about worshiping in spirit and in truth. And so what you have is just all order and structure. You have the outward form, mm-hmm. but you're mm-hmm. missing the heart, um, mm-hmm. the spirit of worship. We're spiritual beings, and, and instead of worshiping in a spiritual way as a spiritual being, 
you worship just at the in in an external form. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's one danger that we we highlight the form and structure so much that we negate that we the the spiritual aspect of worship. And I think the other extreme is to say that order and structure are therefore bad. And we do away with that, and we don't we don't have order and structure to our worship because we have, um, in essence, worshipped spontaneity. I think there's a, a good analogy of an analogy of a trellis and a vine. The trellis is the the skeletal system that serves as the form, but it's not the point. Mm-hmm. The point is the organic living vine that's growing up the trellis. And so, you know, in building a trellis, you need to build a trellis large enough to support the vine, you have to do some trellis work. But without the trellis, the vine just languishes on the ground dead. So you, see, you, you need both. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the trellis is the main point of worship is the, the organic vine. That's what God wants is our hearts. But mm-hmm. you can't get there without the truth. You can't get there without form. Mm-hmm. And I think we just have to be careful that we don't either ignore it or, or worship it, the form. That both are, both sides are are ditches to avoid driving in. That's right. Right. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. Uh, we are talking about worship because our upcoming conference, "Be Thou My Vision," September seventeenth and eighteenth. You'll want to register. Go to reformationboise.com. For those who do register, you will receive a gift certificate to uh, purchase some books um, at the book table. Don't want to miss it. It's going to be a great conference this year. We have Dr. Robert Godfrey, Dr. Terry Johnson. All the details are at ReformationVoice.com. We'll see you next time. 